Hello, Dogalos. It's me, Bob Sham, your best friend. And welcome to a, yet another Surprise Friday drop, another in theaters edition with my friend who we met just last week, Eldridge. I can't say his real name. Eldridge is his uh, documenteer's name. And this is the documentaries. We talk about documentaries and we rate documentaries because we love documentaries. And documentaries expand the conversation. We're not just talking about the movies. We're talking about what the movie's talking about. And documentaries are the world, baby. Hold each other's hands. We are the world. And in this episode, we are watching an explorative visual account. Elders and I went to the theaters and we saw Ramel Ross's Hell County this morning, this evening. And this movie might be making its way around the country. I would uh, check to see if it's coming around in, in your town and if there's any place close to you where you can go see it. I know we got a lot of Nashville listeners and it will be gone by the time this episode has dropped. So if you didn't see it, man, that's on you. What's your fucking problem? But Eldridge and I were here and we connected very personally to this movie. It takes place in small town slash rural Alabama and it's about life there the ups and the downs and it's all you know pretty interesting i want to say this because i forgot to do so within the episode you can contact us at instagram at documenteers uh we have a facebook fan page please like that we'd really appreciate it or share anything any posts on there and also we are on spotify now so that pretty much means we're on any podcast player. If for some reason a podcast player is not playing us, they're probably not playing much of anything if they ain't playing us. So, But if you can't find us there, then how are you hearing me talk about this right now? Who the fuck knows? Contact us personally at documenteerspodcast at gmail.com. And as for all those listening devices, give us a really good review on whatever platform you're listening to. Of course, as usual, Apple Podcasts helps quite a bit. We need to spread that love. So everyone on your favorite device, just, of course, subscribe and please love us. Please, please love us. Also, you can go to 8 The playlists are updated. We got them updated up to uh, Hunt for the Skinwalker. And I hope before the end of the year, I'll have it updated up to the end of the year. You can find 10-track playlists. Most are 10-track playlists. Little unofficial soundtracks for the episodes on the documentaries that we discuss. That's 30 songs for all of the Decline of Civilization series. If you know anything about those movies, you know what kind of songs are going to be in that. In part three, Johnny and I kind of bowled past the music pretty quick. But when me and Dr. Eugene Fudge were putting that one together, uh, I realized that actually this music is pretty good but there's plenty of other playlists there as well if you can make it through the i think we're alone now playlist on eight tracks i'll be very impressed you could look us up documenteers over there taking up too much time eldridge and i are now ready to bring you hell county this morning this evening by ramel ross keep on doc now here is a motion picture film a thousand feet sixteen thousand separate photographs Let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel.
Bryce. Eldridge, Danny, motherfucking Glover. D gloves up in the piece. Glover the lover, that's what they called him. Do you know that he's uh, uh, Donald Glover's father? No, he's not. <laughs> I knew that. <laughs> you thought about it, though, of course. No, I didn't. Oh, I really didn't. I knew that. I want people to believe that Danny Glover is Donald Glover's father for some reason. Donald Glover's parents were Jehovah's Witnesses. That marks this uh, two episodes of ours in a row that Jehovah's Witnesses are mentioned. I don't think I appreciate that, Bobby. Just because Michael Jackson was Jehovah. <laughs> Bunch of goddamn Joho's. I find it hard to believe that Donald Glover grew up Joho, but... Yeah. Eh. A prince can grow up Joho. Anybody can. Well, Prince had issues. Issues of genius. True. Nobody was saying no to Prince. And you kind of get it more than others. Right. Because he's he was so iconic. And Prince would shade, like, f- super famous people in public. <laughs> like, he'll diss a Kardashian on stage. With Kardashian sitting right next to him. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, see, I can see that from Prince. I mean, whoever can get Eddie Murphy to be like, you know what? I'm just going to play a full-on basketball game after a night of drinking and eating pancakes. Yeah, if that story actually happened. I think it did. Charlie Murphy, rest in peace. Yeah, RIP Charlie Murphy. He was an American treasure. But, no, no, there's no butt. I don't know why I say <laughs> There is a lot of butts. There's butts right here in this seat. Yeah. Welcome. How dare the, you, first of the, all. The <laughs> call me my slave name. <laughs> oh, shit. I mean, Eldridge. Eldridge Arnautovich. <laughs> Eldridge Arnautovich. 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 Oh, I think I spelled some names wrong yeah. along the way. The, the Austrian Slavic Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just throwing everything out there. I'm, I, I am the world. You're not Slavic. No, hell no. I mean, not, no, wait. Okay, let me backtrack. No hell no to being Slavic. I, I have Slavic friends and great people. I love Slo- Slovenia. Slovenia? No, they're not. They're not great people. I know them. You don't know my Slavic <laughs> friends. <laughs> no, this is real talk. I have Slavic friends. They are good people. They're not from Slovenia, though, even though I think Slovenia, I think those people are Slavic, right? Yeah, Slovenia, Bosnia, uh, where else? Croatia, Kosovo. Kosovo is kind of weird. We have we've discussed a documentary that took place in Slovenia. Slovenia. Yeah. Uh, the Woodcarver Steiner. Film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That then it was um, another region, but where he was at would later be a part of Slovenia. Interesting fact about Slovenia: they make Tomos mopeds, which are some of the most reliable mopeds you can get in production right now. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Fun facts. Yeah. That's a fun fucking fact, man. Yeah, mopeds have pedals. A lot of people call like scooters mopeds, but if you don't see pedals, it's not a moped. It's just a public service announcement. Yeah, y'all, get your fucking <laughs> shit get straight. Your fucking shit You're embarrassing together. yourself. You're embarrassing yourselves in front of the children, first of all. God damn it, get with it. Yeah, it's it's really... Uh, I don't even know what to say to people anymore about that, but here we are. I got a suggestion. Yeah. Say... Get out my face until you know what scooters is right. Get out my face until you know the difference between a scooter and a moped. Get your shits together. God damn it. We went to the oh theater. Oh my God. How dare you again? Call me with my slave name? <laughs> God damn it. Fuck this shit. It's going to take me so long to get used <laughs> to that. Eldridge. Mm. Eldridge. Yeah. I have a beep on cue for when I call you that other name. Yeah. It'll be kind of like a mysterious thing where people will be like, Hey, who's this guy that we all know his actual name, but they keep beeping it out. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's going to generate some hot buzz amongst oh, yeah. the kids. Buzz. All those Fortnite players are going to like log in. People are going to be flossing and like doing that shoot them dance. 
Mm, shoot, shoot, shoot. That's all we're going to be doing. I'm playing Fortnite. By the way, the podcast is on, as of this recording, they're on Spotify now. Saw that, yeah. So look, y'all, get up on Spotify. If that's how you want to hear the documentaries, then you can do it as such. I feel like I should take a selfie just so all the kids know. It's like... So they know you're not Slavic? So they know I'm not Slavic. I'm going to post this on my personal account, which uh, is completely private. So uh, good luck, everyone. Me. <laughs> you're so private. I am very private. So out of nowhere. We don't have a lot of action shots of the studio. I'm sorry. Eldridge oh, ooh, just took ooh. a Bobby's picture. on thin, thin <laughs> ice. I, I'm telling you right now. It's just it's rough. It's rough out here for uh, not a pimp. But look, Eldridge, we're really free balling right now. We are free. My <laughs> balls are so free. <laughs> I don't know if we've said anything coherent since I hit record. This is just the power of friendship. Yeah. And and love too, maybe. No, no. Mm -mm. Mm. Eldridge, we went to the theater and we saw yeah. a film. A mm -hmm. film, I believe it's making its rounds across the country. It was available here in Nashville for about a week. We all went as a family. We got, we brought people we loved and we all sat down to watch some independent art. Oh, it was so artsy. So art. In the biggest theater in our local independent movie house. And we talked about the film Hell County this morning, this evening by Ramel Ross. Ramel, he's a photographer. That's his primary trade. I think he's also a professor as well. Yeah, clearly a photographer. So he went down to Hell County, Alabama. That's the area where there's uh, Greensboro is the biggest town in that area. But I don't think this movie takes place in Greenboro specifically, but in some smaller areas. And Ramel went down to coach some high school basketball and take his pictures. Yeah. And then he was like, I need to roll some film on this shit because I'm starting to get a connection to this environment. That is unique, and I need to document this movie. Hence, he made a documentary. Hence, oh, this yeah. is Fucking the documentary. Right and oh, we yeah. discuss documentaries. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so hyped about this movie. Seriously, this is like, I was so hyped. I thought the preview for this. First thing I'm thinking, man, this reminds me of home. I mean, not Nashville home. I'm talking about my family home, a uh, little place called Freeman, Virginia out there. If you're not from there, you've never heard of it. I guarantee it. If you've heard of Freeman, Virginia, no, I, you haven't heard of it. I'm, getting, I'm telling you right now, you haven't heard of it. But yeah, this totally reminds me of you know my family, everything about the, their lives right now, for real. Just a country-ass environment, rural yeah. and small-town environment. Not shit to do. <laughs> Except ride a horse. <laughs> or a four-wheeler. <laughs> or get someone pregnant. Oh, lots of people getting people pregnant. Lots that, of pregnant. Yeah. Pregnancy. Lots of uh, also getting pulled over by the police. It seemed to be a common theme in the movie. A lot of blue lights flashing. Yeah, there's a couple of occasions. Not as much as you would think. This movie, it shows uh, basically a rural lifestyle. Yeah. I'm really happy to say that it wasn't... I mean, there's some legitimately sad moments in this movie. Deep sorrow. But it wasn't played only to that. There was some parts that were kind of tongue-in-cheek and sure. even some funny aspects. I mean, where this isn't a documentary that is just laying it on really thick in the emotion department. Ramel is just going around, and he's documenting with a photographer's eye, time-lapse and, like, driving by cotton fields because he understands the, the significance of that in the history of this area. Right. When I saw that cotton field scene, to be honest, I was moved to tears. And at first I thought it was because of the whole slavery angle. Of course, that's really sad. But when it comes down to it, again, I just got hit with that feeling of being at home. I mean, I go to Freeman and 
That's your average ride. You're sitting around thinking, hey, let's go to Wendy's. 30 minutes later, after seeing nothing but that cotton field shot for the entire time, you finally get to the one little intersection that has a Wendy's and maybe a family dollar. And then there's another 20 minutes of open fields. But it was a really powerful shot. It was really well done. There are a lot of shots like that. There's a lot of powerful shots in this film. And a lot of it isn't done in any conventional ways. Like you hear the voices and you see the actions of the people, but you don't see their faces the way the camera is held. And the camera is not afraid to get up in people's faces and gauge any emotion and the way it pans around. It's just, as we stated, more of a photographer's eye of looking at things you can hear the environment as well as see like a small piece of it it's interesting the contrast of the audio you can hear what's going on there's a scene where Ramel is uh standing by a guy who's burning tires yeah and that smoke is going up in the in the sky and Ramel is fascinated with the way the smoke looks and you can hear and this is one of the few times in the movie you can hear the director's voice they're say the only time, right? I believe so. He, someone walks up to him. You hear it. And he's yeah. like, what you doing, basically? And he's explaining <laughs> that he's just shooting some film. And then he, and then the guy's like, what you shooting? And he's like, well, I just like the way the smoke is contrasting in, in the trees up here. The light kind of shafting through that smoke. It was quite beautiful, actually. And I, I think that scene, right, that part right there signifies the whole stylistic approach of Ramel Ross in taking to this movie. But we also... Focus in on a few people. And also, I want to say, I kind of got most of what I was expecting from this movie. Just a basic documentation follow around. I didn't want any heavy narration. I needed just a representation of lives being lived. That's I kind of like that stuff. I think a lot of people might find that kind of thing boring. I happen to don't. I kind of find that fascinating. I feel like the uh, director being a photographer aided this film because when I first saw it, I was thinking, okay, when are we going to get to this point where they just start laying on the, look at these sad rural folks living out in the middle of nowhere. They have no opportunities. You know, that whole idea, that stereotype, you know, you're in school, you're like, hey, show, don't tell. I was really just going to beat us over the head with this sad story. But really, he just had the camera on these people, just yeah. following their lives. And through that, you're able to see their triumphs and their sorrows, all that sort of human drama stuff. And any like fun or jovialness or sadness that occurs in this movie is completely organic. Oh, there was no staging. It felt like it was completely organic, like you said. But also, there was a scene, I can't remember, they didn't set it up what it was, but there was this man talking about, it was a pleasure to have like his grandmother give him a homeopathic remedy. He think he talked about boiling tree bark and putting it on his throat. Yeah. Talking about how the outside world kind of looks down on his existence, but he's seeing it as no, I'm happy to be maybe not happy to be poor, but happy that he had his existence. Now, I'm like I don't think the director took away the pride of being from a rural area the way I was worried that the director might. I grew up in a rural area myself, and while a lot of that immediate environment was white, most of the things I saw people do in this movie were they were exactly like the shit that we did growing up in the sticks. And uh, it just, and it, it kind of brought that together as representatively, this is maybe one of the most straightforward documentations of rural life out there that I've seen in a very long time. Fair point. Yeah. And we, and you talked about how it didn't lay it on super thick. It let things happen organically and thank fucking god for that because i think there's yes. just so much of that kind of stuff documentaries i mean by their nature they can be manipulative of course we understand that even if they're good and we like them there's a part in which we understand that it is actively trying to assert a personal agenda oftentimes mm -hmm. this movie is not this movie is just following 
some lives around. And let's talk a little bit about a few of those lives. We meet a Quincy, young man coming up in this rough world. It's not that rough. It actually seems like everybody's doing okay. <laughs> yeah, everybody seems to be, they're all right. They're I not... think the, <laughs> the thing about country living is it can, from outside looking in, it can look like people don't have a lot. But the truth is people got everything they need. Yeah. And often there is a unit in a community that is helping each other out. They have a lot more than, you know, what someone in a, in a city life might think. But if you really look at yourself, analyze what you truly need in your life, you might uh, have even less than what they got if you really think about it. It's not a matter of who has less or who has more, but they got everything they need and they got their own community to help themselves out. The thing about that too, in my life now, I'm thinking, oh, I'm doing great, but I don't know. I break my back or something or something terrible. I lose my job. Here, I don't know where I would turn other than the welfare office, but if I'm back home around my family, I could be without a job for two years. People will give me shit about being lazy, but I'm not going to go hungry. I'm going to have a roof over my head no matter what. Right. And I feel like these people, despite the scarcity that they have in some aspects of their lives, they're always kind of taken care of in some respects. There have been times where I've gone back to the country and it feels actually very right. It actually feels very good. And <laughs> yeah. it's like, I'm a, I'm a very private guy. I don't talk to my neighbors too much. I mean, I'm nice to them, but I'm just, I'm just not that chatty. But just the environment of being out in the sticks, there is something in my soul that wants that back. I can relate to that. I mean, I didn't grow up in the sticks, but I used to go to Freeman, who it was almost every weekend for a time. And there is something comforting. Every time I go back, it's almost as if the world vanishes away and you think, oh, I don't have to put on this, these pretensions anymore. In adulthood, there's this, I feel like I'm striving for a comfort that I imagined I used to have like as a child. Like I'm thinking back into my childhood and in these moments out in the country where I felt the most comfortable. There's something in my brain that always wants to get back at that point. Right? But there's also something in my brain that's different than my childhood and that I won't allow myself to be that comfortable anymore. Yeah. It's very strange. We can't go home again. I know that's a cliche, but you really can't. It's impossible to recapture that feeling. It's just your brain won't let you do it. Yeah. But there was also a bunch of bullshit that came along with living in that life. I mean, country folk can be cruel. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's not like everyone's like good all the time. It's Everyone's shitty and good everywhere all the time. In the rural environments, they're no different. Let me tell you, if you want anyone to fucking hate your guts, here's what you do. All right, lay it on me. Stay in your home and don't bother anyone and don't talk to anyone. Everyone on that street, <laughs> yeah. in that country road, will be like, they're a fucking snob. Fuck mm-hmm. them. And they will <laughs> oh, yeah. raise damnation further and further in their own mind. Oh, yeah. Oh, don't don't drive by the road. Don't forget to honk the horn and do that little wave. They yeah. know that's your car. Oof. At least in Virginia, that's a deal. It's like <laughs> you see that you see that person driving down the street and even honk the horn. Nothing. It's like they they're going to the store. What's the big deal? Here? <laughs> <laughs> I kind of I kind of don't mind the old waving days. Yeah, but it's like I get super agitated when people I don't know knock on my door. Oh, of course, so. no one's doing that out. At least where my family's from. If you're if you're on the property, you better know someone or it's probably going to be that good for you. <laughs> right. I mean, you're not going to die, but you're just not going to have a pleasant reception. I'm not trying to make it seem like it's mafia. Don't show up selling fucking magazines. No, no. There's a no trespassing sign for a reason. Quincy. Yeah. He's got a little boy with uh, with his girlfriend. Her, We call her Boozy. Oh, uh, young Boozy. Boozy, not that into the documentary. She's not really as engaging with the camera as a lot of the other people are. She careth not. <laughs> the nature of people reacting to Ramel 
we do see a lot of people like fascinated by Ramel. Yeah. And that actually lends it to like some charm and levity in the film. Because at first I thought maybe I don't want people to react that much to the camera, but it's impossible not to. No, of course And there's not. a charm to people and you, when you see a kid on his bike, like, <laughs> you ready? Like, yeah. <laughs> and they're just having a good time. And I watched a little clip of Ramel uh, on an interview and he's, he's such a very playful personality from what I can tell. Yeah. And it's, a, and it's, I'm sure a, a lot of folks around Hale County were very, felt very easy around this guy. Funny thing to me was it was never clear to me what this kid did. I, I never got a sense of, Hey, what's his ambition? What's his job? What's he trying to accomplish? And I feel like if you're looking for any of that from this movie, I mean, you get some glimpses, but you're not going to get closure. You're not going to get a, a very deep narrative. I mean, the narrative threads exist, but I never felt like I at one time got something consistent through the whole movie where I really felt like, I mean, there were kind of points that the director touched on, but for other than that, it was just him saying, Hey, look at these people. Aren't yeah. these people interesting? And they were. He kind of yeah, did make were. everything seem very interesting. We see some quotes that pop up on a black screen, like little... I think a lot of these were meant to be almost kind of silly in a way. <laughs> yeah, some of them were. I, I got a vibe of a sense of humor. I really did, but... He wasn't taking himself too seriously, which was pretty refreshing for a movie that, like this, which could have gone really far south. And while I can't remember the quote specifically, they did also allude to the history of the area. Mm -hmm. And we see one clip, and Angela pointed out that uh, uh, that they apparently acquired the clip from the Museum of Modern Art, where they roll up to this old plantation-style house. I remember that, yeah. And then it cuts to an old black and white image of a man in blackface. We'd only seen visuals of of this this area, this part of this county. And this is the one moment in which it was just different, but it was a commentary on the history of this environment. And while th there is something beautiful here, it's standing on top of something that was uh, an environment of great injustice yeah. that was seeped all throughout society, and in a lot of ways still is. Do you want to jump around to the um, guy that was in the movie? The yeah, we're kind of all over the place. Uh, Daniel, he goes to Selma University. Well, yeah, and that's what I was getting at because they're talking about this. You, you mentioned how this whole place is built upon a lot of tough history. And then you shift over to Daniel, one of the other main sort of uh, people being followed. And he goes to Selma University. And I mean, if I feel like we all know about the history of Selma, I'm right. fair to say. So, I mean, that's another just layer on top of layer on this whole movie, this uh I mean, let's just face it. There's a lot of injustice in Selma, and this kid's just going to school, playing basketball there. He wants to play some ball, yeah. and he's working hard to play some ball. And we see the coach breaking it down to him. It's like, dude, if you suck even a little bit and some other people are better mm -hmm. than you, you, you got to go. It's a business. I mean, these people can take care of themselves, but this is an environment of privilege. Right. This is, we're not talking about the Brett Kavanaugh's of the world here. Hey. Oh, snap! And go out and like uh, be party boys and then get uh, lifted up by the silver spoon. We're not yeah. talking about the Jared and Ivanka's and shit like this. This is people who, if uh, any, uh, <laughs> if any uh, modicum of a thing that is accused to half of these uh, politicians, GOP politicians that were applied to these young men, then they would be in jail for like 30 years minimum. Yeah, the margins of error are just so slim for these kids. And speaking of that, I mean, going back to Daniel, the first shot that I remember of him, 
dude is like first off dude is cut like he's shooting like hoops and they have a back shot of him dude's ripped and he's like so clearly great shape he's draining shot after shot like it's his job and he's probably just gonna be another dude that's good at basketball yeah like, he's not gonna make an nba no yeah when i heard that's what his dream was I mean, I know I'm cynical, but I understand the odds at the same time. Yeah. When he said that, it was like, oh, dude, you're not going to make it. And it's sad because you could tell that this kid was resting a lot of his future on this dream. And yeah, he is good. And I still saw seeing him sink shot after shot. I thought, wow, this is sad. He's, he's not going to really do this. I couldn't tell his height. He seemed just maybe around six feet. If that. If that. <laughs> that's tiny yeah. in, in, by NBA standards. Which, I mean, putting in a tiny plug for my own uh, interest, kid like that, if he had if 10 years old, gone a different route, he'd probably be playing uh, soccer in the Bundesliga right now. But anyways, I digress. We need, Back to, go, we need to go down to Hell County, find Daniel, be like, yo, just throw yeah. him a soccer ball. Just throw a soccer ball. We have so many talented young men in this country and women. <laughs> Sorry. He'd be like, yo, you got the cut, man. Just yo, kick this just, ball. Yeah, kick that kick, ball. Let's see. Frank's kicking it. the ball. There's so many sucky. Like, <laughs> if we just had like a quarter of the people that play basketball switch to soccer, <laughs> we, they would just clean out University of Virginia, University of Virginia soccer yeah. program. I'd be like, um, we got these like killer athletes that are actually, you know, can run faster than you and jump. And Dude, you'll be in the MLS yeah. in four years. Yeah. yeah. that's. I think that sounded racist as hell what I just said, but it's the truth, though. Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say it no yeah bobby didn't say it i said it which means i cannot be racist so it's all good anywho <laughs> daniel <laughs> i love having that it's like a permanent trump card anyways it's not true uh daniel i mean he, it sucked he it just seemed like daniel and everyone else in this film had no options and they were just r raging against that the whole time daniel was raised by his grandmother and we meet his mom at various points in this movie. Mm -hmm. His Daniel's mother, she laments how Daniel doesn't like have a lot of trust in her, or a lot of faith in her. Well, if you don't mm -hmm. raise your own kid, yeah. that might happen. I mean, I was raised by my grandmother, and the world yeah. can uh, be very cold to a mother who doesn't raise her own kids. Can, but she probably also has some serious problems that she had to deal with. And even though she had Daniel, she probably wasn't in a position to truly take care of him. But we hear Daniel's grandmother talking while she fixes the little girl's hair. Yeah. And she's talking about how basically to Daniel, like, yo, you need to get grown and get out the house because I am tired. Mm -hmm. I am tired. Yeah. I, I totally understand that sentiment. I mean, the grandmother, she already raised one kid. Then her kid has a kid. She's got to raise it. But I understand her point of view because from what it sounded like, the mother was in with some guy who probably was going to do... He wasn't going to be good for the kid. That's all we could tell. That's right. He was abusing the mother and the child. And the mom just... I mean, I want to sympathize with the mother, but the mom made her choice. Let's be fair. The mom made her choice. He chose getting with some dude rather than being there for her, her kid. I very much related in, with, to Daniel in this way, because while my story doesn't have those exact same points, there is a striking similarity in other respects. Yeah. And I kind of understand Daniel's frustrations at his own mother. and But his mother seems like someone who's just kind of trapped in this frame of mind. You know, she's oh, yeah. thankfully doesn't seem to be with that man anymore. I hope not anyway. But she's also... <laughs> <laughs> kind of like a weird ghost of a person walking around this hell county. Yeah. There's this part where she's talking to this little girl. And this is both a strange and, and funny, but also a strange scene. It was a little sad to me, too. But yeah. go ahead, yeah. And she said, she asked the girl, what's your name? What's your name? And the little girl's not answering 
quick enough and she interprets the kid as like being dumb i guess oh yeah and then at the end when she's trying to get the kid to talk to her she's like well you're just not gonna make it yeah, you're not smart. You, you're not going to make it. What was it? Some private school? You're not going to make it that school up there. <laughs> you know, then she start asking her how to do her multiplication tables. I mean, I'm not dumb, <laughs> but I was at least seven years old. And I was still like, ooh, seven. I was seven years old thinking three times three. I don't know. This is kind of advanced for me. So, I mean, this kid had to be no more than three. Daniel's mom seems a little like, come on, you're going to judge this kid. This kid's got its whole life ahead of it. I know, man. You live a hard life. It makes you a hard person sometimes. It's, yeah, you could tell she's hard and she's got yeah. a shell on it. Yeah. And she probably doesn't give out love very much. And I'm sure that's yeah. uh, an issue Daniel has to deal with. Yeah. But she wants Daniel's love, but she didn't earn it. Daniel and I could talk about some shit. Yeah, man. Cats in the cradle. Dude. I'm going to start crying. Jeez, dude. How uncomfortable would it be if I just started pouring balling right here? I think it wouldn't be that uncomfortable, but I would at least appreciate um, having a moment to get you some tissues. Because, like, I'm not going to let you get my shirt all. Like, if you need to cry on my shoulder, oh, like, yeah, cry on my shoulder, but, but let, so me just, soft. let me just put, like, a little towel here just because, you know, what if I it's cold outside. What if I whimpered your name while I was crying? I'd have to. Ha- I'd have to ask you. Maybe not to. Ooh. See, I'm, now I'm feeling uncomfortable. It was right at the. It was like, hey, you're my buddy, but then, ooh, ooh. I'm getting those. I'm getting those weird vibes right now. We see the camera go through this small little town, the centerpiece of a town. We see a, a couple of shots of it rolling through. It's like about seven blocks, maybe. Can this whole to that. fucking town. Oh, yeah, I've, I've been to that town. Everyone's been to that town if you're from the South and you're not from a big city. Everyone's been there. Quincy's girl is pregnant with twins. And she has oh boy. She she has a, a couple of beautiful little babies. Adorable kids. Corbin man. and Carmen. Yep. And then suddenly we get a prompt that says Corbin passed away. It wasn't even that. I mean, wasn't it just Corbin was buried? At- yeah. It it took the the wind right out of my sails. It easily the saddest part of this whole film, and a film that with many emotional ups and downs. Sudden infant death syndrome. It's real. I mean, it's I know it happens to everyone, but it just seemed like it was so unfair what to happen to these people. So we go from seeing these children being born to one of them being buried within five minutes. That's some intense shit. Yeah, it was rough for me. It, I mean, it was. I mean, the whole movie is rough if you think about it. But this was the first just outright tear-jerking moment to me mm. in the whole film. Yeah. Just because of the way it was set up. You have, at one moment, this extreme joy and happiness about life coming into the world. And then they just do it. It's an extremely hard-cut black screen, just the words that about the kid passing away. And it, it just it's very jarring, to say the least. This is a beautiful movie. In so many ways, it's a very beautiful movie. The director doesn't ever let you get comfortable, either. It feels like the, there's so many quick cuts it can be jarring, but at the same time, I, it almost feels like you're... When I think back to it, I feel like I was in a dream in a way. Yeah, there was like a little dream feeling to it. But not so dream feeling that it felt uh, trite and uh, pointless, as a <laughs> right. lot of that kind of stuff can be. I know what you mean. Where it's just like, sometimes, you know, there's a fine balance to being obtuse, to being abstract. But sometimes you got to be careful to not let that desire to be odd or abstract get in the way of like the fundamentals of how to put something together sometimes it's easier to be weird than it is to actually compose something that can translate and make sense but there is a time and a place for the abstract Mm -hmm. and i don't even know if there was really any abstract in this film just Mm -hmm. just like it's all reality and all real life 
it was definitely I, keep, I hate to keep going back to the word like artsy or whatever but it definitely had a you know what clip i'm going to put after you oh say boy. that i don't like it because it's so artsy fartsy and i already know it's coming i'm not gonna, <laughs> i'm not going to talk about it but i know what's going to happen it's okay it's totally fine it's it's the theme of this this little thing we're doing artsy fartsy but it was i mean they i mean it didn't get to the point where you're thinking oh god this dude's straight up out of art school look at this kid but no i mean it felt really appropriate it felt nice it didn't seem hack there was like pulling back in a certain way there was no pretension about it and yeah i think it's very hard to do what Romel Ross did, especially in regards to some of the shots that weren't so much focused on people, but environment, to kind of come off pretentious, but it never does. Yeah, it's funny. It never came off pretentious, but at the same time, I was thinking, ooh, man, uh, if I wasn't seeing this in the bell court, and if I'm just at home, or let's say, let's take even that out of home. If I was back in school, and I was up in the art building, and this came on, I'd be thinking, hmm. This kid's really thinking he's uh, thinks he's hot shit, doesn't he? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that being said, I wasn't in arts. I mean, I wasn't in the art building. I was in the bell court, and you know, I thought, <laughs> yes, this is actually pretty good. Is that my own bias? Yeah, probably, but I don't care. I think we felt that. I mean, watching this in the theater felt like the appropriate way to take it in. Right. But you're right. Maybe this would be different if we're watching it on a little TV screen or something. Like we hadn't seen the preview for it at the bell court, and if we were just sitting around. I was trying to think, what would I think of this film? I would think, yeah, some kid in art school got a whole lot of shots together and slapped it together. But with that being said, somehow he will he wove a narrative. I, I know I said earlier it wasn't really narrative heavy, but at the same time, there was a narrative. Yeah, yeah. It didn't feel like he was being self... Uh, I don't know. He wasn't just getting his rocks off Jerking on his own. Himself, yeah, yeah. just like, oh, look at how many good shots I get. There was a purpose to it all. There was a definite purpose, and that's I, what separated it. I felt like I didn't mind the the angles. Like, I saw the, his photographer's style, and I can be very critical of photography mm -hmm. because I don't know if you all have noticed, but every third person <laughs> is a self-described photographer. Uh, if you filled up a glass of water and you threw water onto <laughs> a crowd of people, you'd get like 15 photographers <laughs> wet. And I just think there's a lot of like a lot of bullshit out there but also it's a lot easier nowadays to get away with bullshit because yeah. the camera on my phone is actually really good well you know i can tell the difference though um you have to look at the photo itself and what you have to determine is is the photo taken in black and white or not <laughs> i'm sorry I, i'll see myself out <laughs> <laughs> i don't know why but for me, that's my only pet peeve, and I'm thinking, hmm, this is a chain, chain link fence, and it's in black and white now. So, uh, man, but that but look how profound feelings you get by staring at a chain link fence, in especially black if it's and white. by school, dude. You get the real sense of like innocence lost. Oh and, my uh, gosh! Yeah, and then the and the desperation. Yeah, and the fact that are these kids really in a cage? Are they? Are we yeah. in the cage looking? Oh, my God. Oh, dude, I thought I was looking in this whole time. Jeez. Oh. I'm an artist. Whew. Well, I got to reevaluate my life. We're not making fun of you, Ramel Ross. We actually, <laughs> you know we're, 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 just, we're describing the aspects of it we don't like. We actually think you yeah. bring something to the table. No, yeah. In all honesty, I'm saying all this because this film could have very easily gone that route. Yes. And to me, like, I've had a professor in school. He was a writing professor. And he told me the best poetry went straight up to that line of being, like, trite and sentimental. It got right up to the line, just kind of, like, put your toes right near it and then stopped right there. Yeah. And I think that's what he did here. That's it, hard to me, do. It is that hard is to so do. That is so fucking hard to do. Restraint is incredibly hard to practice, especially when you're the artist and you don't have an editor. 
It's hard to talk much about this movie just because of the way it's laid out. It's something that has to be seen to be beheld. But this is rural Southern life and it captures it vividly. And I think if anyone who's not from uh, the South wants to see a Southern movie that is representative of how life is in a lot of these certain areas throughout the South, because we're in Nashville, it's a big <laughs> metropolitan city that's growing like beyond its capabilities. Yeah. Oh yeah, and it's not like we Nashville is not like this. It's this is an industry town, everybody. Yeah. Everybody, this is like uh, Los Angeles with a twang on it. Atlanta, I mean, you're going to hear some accents, but yeah. like places like Nashville, Atlanta, Memphis, even New Orleans, they're not yeah. really they're not like places like Hell County. No, you're not going to see it anywhere. I think what really stuck out to me as well in this movie was the option for black expression that they displayed here because, I mean, I've worked in, I've done various work and sometimes, you know, I've been in like music type deals and you'll be sitting in these meetings where they're saying, so we're looking for an, an urban audience. And you immediately know who they're talking about when they say it. <laughs> You're like, yeah, urban audience. I'm thinking, you know, a lot of black people live in rural areas. And I love having that that other side where you're seeing like, oh, yeah, this is, I mean, the urban audience does not apply to these people. Yeah. I mean, Alabama and Mississippi have the most black Americans of, than any state. Most of the black population in this country resides firmly below the Bible Belt. Yeah. I mean, you have pockets in major cities, of course. Yeah. But, I mean, Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia. Look at your census maps, everybody. It's all down here. Yeah. And it should be kind of alarming that despite those population sizes that you see the politics shaping out the way they do in those areas. Well, this is what this is what you got to do, Aaron. All right. Lay it on me. You got to arrest them for things that you'd slap white people on the wrist for. <laughs> Make them felons so they can't vote. Hey, I noticed this part of Alabama is getting real dark. Let's make the voter map a little like a real crooked, like a zigzag, lightning tendrils. There we go. There we go. Now, here's another one, buddy. All right. Part now, two. Now, check this. All right. I noticed on your voter rolls that uh, you got a hyphen in your last name. Mm -hmm. Now, our records show that there's no space between the name and the hyphen, but on this paperwork, the hyphen mm -hmm. and the name are not spaced apart. It's making so much sense I'm now. sorry, we're going to have to freeze your voting rights mm -hmm. and restrict them for now. If you could come <laughs> up, and uh, and you're not going to know about this till it's too late because you're just going to go up to vote, right? And then you're going to be like, what? what are you talking about? Why is my name not on there? And then we're going to tell you about the hyphen thing. I'm sure you'll get it right next year, but you just can't, you just can't vote this year. Bye. Now, this is my favorite part of this conversation that we, this this little segment that we just had. It's not all this deep knowledge that I did not know as a black man. I'm going to take this back to the black cookout and disseminate this. But Bobby puts on another Southern accent to cover up his other Southern accent. <laughs> He's like, no, this is the not racist Southern accent. I got to give you the racist Southern accent. It's just, it's because I'm from the South that that accent just pops out. When I, I'm putting it on a little more. No, no, no. There is a racist Southern accent and a not racist Southern accent. I'll leave it to you all to decide. There, there's plenty of people with thick 
southern accents yes, that are yes. not racist. Some of the loveliest people, non-racist people I've met have had thick accents. Bobby himself. <laughs> have you ever met like a super progressive person that talks like this? It is always a shock. And those are some of my favorite fucking people Dude, I was on at, the planet. I was at a uh, Whaler show and I'm sitting there. I was underage at the time, but it was uh, a place where you could kind of stand the sidewalk and kind of hear the music. Right. And this older white dude big beard walks up he's got overalls on he comes up stands right next to me and i'm just thinking oh god here we go how you like you like bob marley (laughs) yeah he turns out and honestly the nicest guy he like i was i'm not gonna lie when they the band actually walked right behind me as they were getting ready to perform i fanboyed out i almost fainted dude was right there like whoa you okay son i was like oh man this guy's actually really nice he actually cared about my safety and everything I was wrong, everybody. I was prejudiced against the Southern man in overalls. Thank you. On behalf of all proggy white people. <laughs> yeah. Proggy white you. people. It's a dangerous time for proggy white people. <laughs> <laughs> they're starting to realize that their dreams aren't coming true. Yeah. Whoa. You, you mean you can't just stay in the same coal, coal mine town your whole life and expect that job to be there generation after generation? Yeah. What am I talking about? It's like, I have been incredibly lucky. The reason I even have a modicum of comfort in my life is I was very lucky and I've known some people that pretty much hooked me up with jobs. I mean, let's be straight up. (laughs) Now, hold on. Uh, What you got to do is you got to go to school, put out, just bury yourself in debt, and then get a job where you probably won't make over $35,000 a year for until about 10, 15 years. <laughs> yeah. yeah, what you got to do is put in that 10 years of grueling work. Then you might almost be as good as a factory worker was 40 years ago. That's the American dream right there. That's right. <laughs> uh, all right, so Comrade Bobby, we've really gone down that. Uh... <laughs> so when is this going to be just the Comrade Red podcast? <laughs> oh, God, yeah. I don't, I don't, I feel like I'm, um, I'm not a pure anything, Aaron. I take from what works within each yeah. and I bundle it together. I just sound like an extremity because we live in extreme times. And if you speak objectively about things because things are so partisan, you could often be labeled as partisan when really you're just giving out facts it's of the, the information. So yeah. I always want to speak with reason and I speak with my fears because I have a genuine love of poor people and working class people. I feel like these people, there's more of these and they need to be taken care of. So yeah, it makes sense. And it, it's reflected in the movie choices that you brought me in on. I mean, last film, definitely poor folks. Uh, and this one, I don't feel like there was a single comfortable person in this whole film. Yeah. I didn't see one environment where I thought, Oh, well, this looks nice. Or so and so's bougie. I yeah. have. I didn't see. I didn't think that a single time. I never thought anyone in this movie was bougie. That's for sure. I felt like everyone was just living their life as they knew it. Like it wasn't a problem. When we go see movies at the Belcourt, very expensive part of town. When I was watching this movie, I couldn't help but wonder who, what people around us were thinking of this movie, how they were interpreting this movie, yeah. because there wasn't any privilege in this movie. But you better believe there was some privilege in the theater the, by the people that we were watching it. Not everybody. It looked like sure. we actually had a fair variety of people coming to see this movie. But I mean, Nashville's a very trendy town. There's yeah. a lot of money here and a lot of people involved in the bell court uh, do have a lot of money because... It's how they uh, show that they've got an art boner to the town. True. I mean, I did recognize uh, a doctor that uh, my wife has worked with. Uh, Definitely recognize that guy. He's pretty sure he's doing all right for himself. I mean, I'm not sure. He might be poor, but I'm pretty sure he's all right for himself. (laughs) I think I saw him working at Captain D's. Oh, yeah, he did. He was moonlighting at Captain D's. But that was mostly to cover the... uh, 
I don't know. Student loan debt. <laughs> yeah, crushing student loan debts that doctors have. <laughs> no, but I mean, there was a good mix of people in there. And I did think that too. I was thinking, oh God, so are these people going to think, yeah, this is black America right here. Everyone's just uh, destitute poverty. And yeah, the yeah. only option is to shoot some basketballs to get out of poverty. <laughs> right. I mean, it's a, it was a real thought. I was like, man, am I really going to have to think about this as I'm leaving the theater? I, and I was really hoping, oh God, I hope no one comes up to me and says, thank you. <laughs> uh, thank you thank you so much for everything for everything it's like i i, I paid for this movie uh, I, I didn't direct this but i think that was a good thing i feel i mean i didn't research the director's ethnicity or anything but i felt like he probably got the access because he was african-american black whatever you want to say and i think he, he treated it with the proper you know reverence a person should as far as respecting these people not making them look like pity cases he was just showing their lives I, and we've said that a lot already, but it, I just was struck by that. I was really expecting a pity party when I went into this movie. I didn't get that. In a little bit of an interview I saw of him, he did, I think I mentioned this before, he did find a level of comfort here in the <laughs> environment and hanging out. And also, uh, he grew up in the so-called North, uh, mm. but his father grew up in an environment that wasn't too different than where he was. Right. So there is something in his, just like in your family, yeah. that is tied to this this type of area. Well, I feel like I can relate to the director in that sense because, sure, I think anyone in my dad's side of family will be very open to say, yeah, they grew up dirt poor. It was like you eat oatmeal every day for lunch and breakfast sometimes because- Oatmeal's good. Yeah, oatmeal's good and it's filling and you're not going to get bacon and all that other stuff because that's money. But most of them either joined the army, uh, got scholarships, or just were good in school and got out. And so then you come back and you're seeing there's this disparity between- your lifestyle and most of the people in that town around you. And I felt like, I don't know, I just related to the director because of that. I felt like I saw myself a lot in him, despite not knowing anything about him. I just knew, yeah, he's a black dude. He's coming back. He's coming down this town. It's really rural, but I could just relate to it so much. It was, it was really nice to see, honestly. There's one more thing before we get to our rating. Was that a natural gas line that was just on fire on that pole? Remember the, the pole yeah. with the flames coming out? <laughs> I feel like that's what it was. Was that just a natural gas line just flaming out? It's what it looked like. Sure. There's a lot to behold in this movie. Yeah. A lot of visuals. And it is like, uh, not to sound like a pretentious uh, twat, <laughs> it was uh, a little poetic. You it know? was. There was some poetry to this movie. A lot of poetry. Now, Aaron, we don't rate things in a star rating scale. Right. That's for those those big city folk. They like the stars. Oh, you mean those folks from like Charlotte? Yeah, those, <laughs> that giant town of Paducah, Kentucky. Don't even get me started on Hopkinsville, man. This, <laughs> hot town. Hot I, town. <laughs> I got family uh, that lived there. Yeah. I never talked to them. There's a lot of animus between Tennessee and Kentucky. Yeah. Oh, I guess especially the where I grew up in Montgomery County, it borders Kentucky. Mm -hmm. I found myself in Kentucky quite a bit. But you're always glad Spitting to get out. Spitting on trash huh? and yeah, running yeah, back from the right. blood. <laughs> you know it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, fuck all y'all. Yeah. yeah. No, it's going to be better with it. Woo! Yes. Take that, Kentucky. Oh, we love you, Kentucky. No, that's not true. <laughs> I can't. Louisville's pretty cool. Yeah, Louisville's nice. Stole my bike. Frankfurt? Frank yeah, Frankfurt's all right. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll even, you know what? Lexington. I'll give Lexington. Yeah. Good job, Lexington. You're a great city. You did it. Yeah, you did it. <laughs> Bowling Green, John Carpenter's from there. So Bowling Green sucks? No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Way down in Bowling Green. Way down in Bowling Green. Prettiest girls I've ever seen. A man in Kentucky sure is lucky to love down in Bowling Green.
do you ever listen to the Everly Brothers, or mm. do only uh, white Southerners listen to that? I think so. Oh, okay. My grandmother loves country music, Hell and not yeah. just Charlie Pride either. I keep hearing, uh, is your grandmother still alive? No, she passed away. Man, I always hear about your grandma liking country music. I feel like I wish I knew her. You would love. She was a pistol, as Southerners say. Oh, we could uh, we could have talked a lot about some good music. She would have loved you. Yeah, man. <laughs> I, I love her right now. She loved nothing. She loved more than a good tall boy or a nice boy with some hair and, and some meat on his bones. <laughs> Not saying you're a fat boy. I'm just saying you got meat in your bones. I, I, I prefer juicy. Yeah, I'm I'm a very skinny person, which is so everyone has meat in their bones to me. We rate movies in the juicy style. Don't call me a mama slave name. I mean, El- Eldridge. <laughs> sorry. We rate things in the juicy Werner Herzog style. All right. How- refresh my memory. I'm going to give this one through five Herzogs. All right. You're going to give this one through five Herzogs. I hear you. We will combine them for best out of 10 Herzogs. Hot damn. That's a great idea. Let me, let me tell you <laughs> my thoughts on this film. Hell County, This Morning, This Evening by Romel Ross feel like this is a beautiful way to show people what rural Southern life can be like. And I feel like there's a lot of people not from the South who don't think that there are black rednecks and black country <laughs> folk. Uh, I'm about to go down a hole. What's, what's at the bottom of that hole? The South Bobby? is complicated. Yeah. And frankly, it hurts itself worse than it does anyone else. But there's also some beauty to it, too. And this movie shows that beauty for all the reasons that we yeah. said uh-huh. I'm going to give this film. That's right. I'm giving it five Herzogs. Five Herzogs. Five Herzogs. I thought it was beautiful. It stuck with me. Oh, that buildup. It got me going. I think you can learn a lot from this movie. Yeah. And I like how genuine the emotions was, Mm. were, Mm. from the joy to the tears. And it didn't Mm. miss a beat going back and forth. Wow. That was cathartic. Yeah, had a lot of fun. <laughs> what did you yeah. think about this film, Hell County, this morning, this evening? Mel Ross. Well, after that hype up for those five Herzogs, let me follow it up with this. You know, I, as a black man, felt seen. I felt heard. And my experience with just the particular experience of coming from good old-fashioned southern country stock, albeit on the up from the other side of the mountains, which I feel is a completely different type of southern than this side of the mountain, like east Apple, east of Appalachia versus west of Appalachia. That's two completely different types of Southern. Ooh, I'm, I'm just going to, I want to give it five. I want to give it five hertz oh, you? but what? I'm going to have to give it. Oh, shit. And it pains me to say this because you know what I said about it being like an art school film, you know? I, oh, I did man. say that. Yeah. I did say that. You did. And you know I said how, you know, if I wasn't at the bell court, I probably wouldn't be thinking oh, this was shit. so great of a film. Oh, and I don't want to get caught up in the whole, oh, this is mirroring my experience and I feel, but well, I'm going to have to do it. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Bobby. I know you gave it five Herzogs. We're not going to play TLC on this one, no. No. Mm. We're just, I'm, I'm going to give it five words.
can get it. You can get it. Come on, baby. You can get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. hurts okay no i mean i'm sorry i know it's i know it's self-serving but god damn if i didn't cry shed those tears when i saw those uh cotton fields and i feel like any movie that makes you shed real deal tears i'm sorry you gotta give it you gotta give it a five i was moved to tears and you pointed out perfectly and went to the edge of pretension yeah i got right there and it didn't step over i never felt it i was like you know what no no it didn't go there and i was i was thinking about this rating as i was preparing to come here this evening and i thought man I, am i gonna give this five hertz songs it's only my second time here i can't just come out with five hertz songs hey, i did do, it though you gotta do you i i thought what would Werner do <laughs> i bet Werner would like this movie i bet he would i feel like it's right up his alley I wonder if he'd give it uh, five hymns. <laughs> I'm giving this movie five knees. <laughs> <laughs> or he'd say, I don't like the artsy fartsy thing. I like these artsy fartsy. <laughs> We're going to stop trying to do murder talking. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> it is very hard. I lived in Germany and I still can't, can't do it. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah, it was moving. It's a 10 Herzog film. A lot of folk might find this to be boring, but I got to say, let it wash over you. Don't bring what your presumptions should be because it might not live up to those. It might be something just a little more a window of existence in an area that a lot of people just don't know that much about. It's as good a representation of the South as any film you will ever see. Felt very authentic to me, that's for damn sure. 10 out of 10 Herzogs. Congratulations, Romel Ross. You're a 10 Herzog director. Hell County, this morning, this evening. Eldridge, Bobby. thank you for joining me. We got to get back to the theaters before too long, but we'll give you a little rest because we also did Bisbee 17 and then we did this one. It was rapid fire. <laughs> it was pretty rapid fire, but we got it down and I appreciate your assistance and I can't wait to sit in this studio with you again. Likewise, Bobby. It's a good time. All right, man. Stay sweet and keep on docking. Hell County in the morning, in the evening. Are you sure about that? What what uh, <laughs> what is it? Hell County this morning, this evening? <laughs> <laughs>